how often do you look in the mirror and tell yourself that your life would be great if you just lost 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 100 pounds, and then you get frustrated and you go get something to eat. Hello everyone, I'm Pamela Brewer welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Lene Urban is today's guest, and Lene is a nutrition and lifestyle coach dedicated to teaching busy women how to transform their health through rest. Lene Urban, welcome to Mind Talk. Hi, Dr. Burr. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am delighted to have you with us today, and I, I'm really curious. You, you talk about transforming health through rest. I could go for that so I can sit on my couch and never move and lose weight? <laughs> if only it were that simple. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was hoping. <laughs> you, well, yeah. You describe yourself as having a lifelong struggle with food addiction and emotional eating. Tell us, what were some of the early lessons you learned about food? One of the earliest lessons that I learned is that food can be uh, used as many different sources. The way that food is supposed to be used is as a source of fuel. So it's supposed to give us the energy and the nutrients to live the kind of lives that we want to live. But unfortunately, just because of the type of food that's being produced, especially over the last several decades, people are consistently these days, and what I was doing, using food as a source of comfort, using food as a source of happiness, using food to provide a sense of security. So no longer using food for its original purpose, which is just fuel, but using food to sometimes mask the pain of uh, previous experiences or childhood trauma, or maybe just using food as a way to gather family members, gather people together. Anytime that food is used other than as a fuel source is typically when there's a, a chance that it can be abused. So as you were growing up around family, around friends, even paying attention to the media, what were the kind of messages that you saw when it came to food? Me personally, food was about family. Okay. So growing up, Food was all about everybody getting in the kitchen, having a good time together, helping mom to cook, and then the whole family sitting down together and having a meal and enjoying each other. So growing up for me, food was about celebration. Oh. And yeah, food was about celebration. And I was a, I was a happy kid. I was a happy child. So growing up, I actually associated food with happiness. So if you wanted to feel, if you were unhappy and wanted to feel happy, food was the thing to help foster that feeling. Yes, food was the go-to, definitely, especially during feelings of sadness or uh, feelings of sort of depressive feelings. 
then food was the avenue to cheer me up. And quite frankly, it's so readily available and so many people use food in that way that I can't imagine that you would have felt any differently from anybody else. Right, exactly. And that's one of the biggest things also that people struggle with is even if they want to use food in the original way that it was intended to use, I mean, how can you escape it? I have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week grocery store that's open five minutes away from me. So in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., I could go to the grocery store and buy as much food as I possibly, as I could possibly want. And I'm sure they were very happy to see you at 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. <laughs> do, do you remember the first time that you were really upset or sad about something or frightened about something and you turned to food as your source of comfort and soothing? Yes, absolutely. It was actually when my parents got divorced. And I was a teenager at the time. I was uh, about 17 years old, on my way, uh, about to leave for college, when my parents were getting closer to their divorce, their divorce becoming finalized. And it was when their divorce became finalized, and I had given up on all hope that somehow they were going to reconcile and that this was all a bad dream. Sort of when that reality set in, that's when my relationship with food shifted for the worse. And so what kinds of things would you, what kinds of foods would you use as your comfort and your soother? So I'm a, I'm a fat starch person, the fat starch combo. So you take anything fried uh, and you combine it with anything with carbs. And that's what I loved. Cheeseburgers, pizza, uh, nachos, anything with a lot of cheese, a lot of fat, with also a lot of carbs, deep fried into something, that was my go-to. That provided the quickest form of not only satisfying my hunger, but then also elevating my mood. So I was huge into, I love fried foods, ice cream, French fries. I mean, all of the, the most calorie-dense foods you can possibly eat were the foods that I ran to, were the foods that I loved the most. And would you consume them in moderation or would you go all out? No, I also had an issue with, I would call it, I would, I would call it gluttony. I had an issue with overeating sometimes to the point of making myself sick. Hmm. I had, when my relationship with food began to spiral out of control, I began eating to the point where sometimes I sometimes every once in a while I would throw up because I ate so much. I had a, an issue with being able to control myself when I started eating something that hit those emotional spots. Mm-hmm. I I would I would lose control of being able to stop myself from eating. And so more often than not I would always eat to the point of, of gluttony. And when you were having these experiences, would you say that you were aware of what you were doing or no? I had, I had no idea what I was doing until I decided one day, okay, 
my weight is getting out of control. Uh, I, I'm feeling sick. I have to do something about this. I didn't, I didn't know that I had a problem. I didn't realize that what I was doing was a problem. And Dr. Brewer, Dr. Brewer, it was because growing up, I was always a thin kid. All those calories that I consumed, I was active. I was physically active. All those calories I consumed, I burned them off. So here I am, this petite kid eating all of this food and just never assumed that it was a problem until that fast metabolism I had as a kid began to slow down. And once my metabolism slowed down and I realized that I was gaining weight and, and then I said to myself, okay, I, I need to go on a diet. I have to stop eating like this. It wasn't until trying to stop eating in that way and realizing that I was completely out of control of being able to stop myself from eating that way. That's when I realized, okay, this is actually not healthy at all. This is a major problem. And what were people around you saying to you? No one really said it. And that's the thing is I didn't have people in my life because during this time that I realized that my emotional addiction to food was, was kind of spiraling out of control. There were also some other things that were happening in my life that caused me to sort of isolate myself. Um, so after growing up in a family and being surrounded by family and friends that I loved and that who loved me after my parents divorce and then going away to college and moving away from home, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have really anyone. I just had, you know, my husband and my kids that, that I was raising, but I didn't have that close knit family and friends like I did when I was growing up. And I think that also definitely contributed to uh, just the being blind to the fact that I was, that I was, that I had a problem. And, and I, I would suggest that certainly in college, not a whole lot of people were paying attention to how many calories were in that slice of pizza or that box of French fries. Oh, no, no, uh, no one was paying attention. Uh, <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I mean, the, the joke about the freshman 14, that was just you know, we all got to college and we heard the joke. Yeah. When you get to in your freshman year, you expect to gain about 14 pounds because of all the food you have access to. Uh, you know, we, we all got there our freshman year. We all started gaining weight and it was like, Oh, okay. Freshman 14. Ha ha. It's actually real. So there was no, I mean, there was no, uh, nobody really, we were more so concerned with going to class and getting our assignments done as opposed to counting calories and trying to be healthy. So it was almost like a rite of passage. If you're a freshman, you're going to put on extra weight. That's just the way it goes. Right. That was the expectation. Now, talk about, you You mentioned your husband, uh, your family, your husband and your children. You mm -hmm. didn't have all of that while you were in college. So tell us a little bit about how that part of your life came to be. Well, what's really interesting is that my my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, uh, but we had our first daughter in the middle of college. Wow. Yes, yes. We had our, she was born right in the middle of our junior year of college. So we went from just these young, dumb college students to now we are parents trying to graduate from college, working up to two to three jobs to support ourselves and to get through school to support this new baby. And 
that sort of um, that struggle, you know, to continue supporting our family, young kids, you know, graduating, just graduating college, going out straight into the workforce, our sole focus now being on just trying to support this family. I mean, that definitely contributed to sort of the, the isolation and the spiraling out of control and 100% continuing to run to food as my source of comfort. Makes perfect sense, given what your situation mm-hmm. was at that time. Lene Urban is a nutrition and lifestyle coach. She is today dedicated to teaching busy women how to transform their health through rest. We're going to take a break, and we will be back with more of Lene Urban. Lene, when you turned to emotional eating, would you say that you would eat the same kinds of foods regardless of the stressor, or did different stress states take you to different types of foods? I would say that as soon as I felt the stress, perhaps the type of food that I ate, maybe they were different foods, but they were always the same combination there was always the fat starch combination with a lot of salt. So it it could have been Chinese food one day. It could have been pasta another day. It could have been a a burger and French fries, but they all have the similarity where it was a lot of fat, a lot of starch and a lot of salt. Those were my go-to macronutrients. And with all of those, I mean, it, it would certainly fill you physically and while you're eating, distract you from whatever was going on. Exactly. And that was usually the point of me eating. (laughs) Whenever I ate, it wasn't just because I was hungry, because sometimes I would eat even if I I wasn't hungry. And here's a really funny example. Uh, I was, we, my husband and I, our family, we were struggling financially. I was trying to look for a job. And I was looking for a job for a long time. I finally got a job interview for a position that I really wanted. I got a second interview, a third interview. I believe that I was all but in until I got the phone call that they gave the the position to someone else. And I cried. I was so distraught. And my husband asked me, is there anything I can do for you in this moment? And I said, yes, you can go and buy me a bacon cheeseburger with cheese fries and a large chocolate shake because that's the only thing that will make me feel better in this moment I'll never forget that in that moment in my depression and my sadness over not getting this position I craved a bacon cheeseburger and cheese fries and a milkshake that was the only thing in my life in that moment that I wanted that's how deeply connected my emotions were to food Uh, my emotions were to eating and, you know, it's interesting what you, you did ask your husband to get, um, because I certainly hear uh, a wish for the sweetness and for the crunch, so, so maybe feeling some mm-hmm. anger, and with the meat, maybe feeling a little bit out of control. So you, you mm. had it all in that one meal. Yes, 
And that was typically what my meals did. Whatever uh, little sections of emotions that I was feeling or experiencing, the meals that I ran to, the food that I ran to, they covered all of the bases. <laughs> they covered all of those feelings with each component uh, of, the, of the meals put together. Let me ask you a, a question. You focus now on working with women. Why women? Women, we have the, the hormones that run through our bodies, the hormones that we produce in order to bring life into the world. Those hormones, what I found, are in direct connection with how we emotionally, how we treat food how we treat exercise, and, and then how we treat our bodies. There's a difference between the way that men process their emotions, the way that men um, use food. There's a huge difference between the way that men and women use food. And I knew that as a woman, as a mom, as someone who was struggling to balance all of these things, and also just get my emotional and physical health under control, I just knew that other women would more likely be able to relate to what it is that I wanted to help them with uh. because they would be able to understand where I'm coming from as a woman and as a mom. At, at the beginning of our conversation today, uh, I asked you if I could just kind of sit on the couch and lose all my weight. Uh, and and unfortunately, you said, no, uh, that's not the case. But you have created a rest-based system. So if rest-based system is not sitting on the couch, what is it? So... It's, and that's really funny because I, I wanted to mention that when I use the term rest, what I, I don't want anyone to become confused because people think rest and they think, you know, sitting on the couch and binging on Netflix. But when I talk about rest, I am using it in the context of what elevates stressors in our bodies. And interestingly enough, things like sitting on the couch and binge watching a television show can elevate the same stressors as sitting in traffic or can elevate the same stressors as procrastinating and now being under a deadline crunch. And now you're sweating and, and you're anxious and you're fearful. Our bodies release the same stress hormones when we are under actual physical stress and when we're doing things that we think are relaxing us, when in fact they're having the same impact. So when we don't go to sleep on time, when we don't get good quality sleep at night, when we go to bed scrolling on our phone through social media and allowing the, the blue light from our electronics to activate our brain right before we're going to sleep, that's stress. When we are not exercising at all, that stress, when we're exercising too hard, that stress. So rest, the way that I use it, rest is finding very specific lifestyle components that are known to elevate stress hormones and creating a lifestyle that seeks to 
under all circumstances and by any means necessary, keep those stress hormones to an absolute minimum at all times. And how, how do you begin to, to, well, let me back up a bit, because you you know, so much of our, our lives and so much of what we see, quite frankly, in the media is kind of celebrating the binge-watching thing um, in ways that it just hadn't been for many years. But now it's kind yeah. of a thing. So yes. you're, you're saying that binge-watching and uh, just sort of hanging out is, is actually increasing the stress in your body. So now you've broken the hearts of many people. I just want you to know that. And I, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> what if I'm binge watching and exercising at the same time? Is that okay? Well, that's what's really funny is that uh, exercise, like I said, exercise is also stress. Exercise elevates the same stress hormones as uh running around being short on a deadline and trying to, you know, turn something in 10 minutes before it's due. Um, Exercise elevates cortisol, adrenaline, and noradrenaline. When we exercise, our bodies believe that we are in danger, that our physical bodies are in danger. And so if you are exercising while you're binge watching something, so your brain is focused is focused on an overload of information that you're watching and you are physically exerting yourself then you then essentially what you believe you believe you're relaxing and and working out your body at the same time but what you're doing is you're giving your body a double whammy of stress oh boy all right (laughs) now that you've depressed everybody <laughs> I, I want you to talk to us about the the steps that you employ in what you have defined as a rest based living course. Yeah, absolutely. For rest based living, I focus on very four specific area lifestyle areas where. If you can prioritize transformation in just these four areas, then you can continue to live the rest of your life and not have stress impact your health. Those four areas are what I call your, what I call rest. So your, how much sleep you get, the quality of sleep that you get at night. And then also some relaxation activities that have been scientifically proven to reduce stress hormones. So your rest, the type of food that you're eating, so using food as fuel as opposed to an emotional blanket, the type of exercise that you do. So the type of exercise should be exercise that's just enough to jolt your metabolism and speed up your metabolism, but not so much that it's elevating your stress hormones constantly. And then the last area that I focus on is movement, using movement throughout the day, not being sedentary most of the day and going to the gym for an hour, just an hour and moving your body, but using the whole entire day to stay active and to stay moving. Those are the four areas that rest-based living focuses on. 
Lene, you have used the program that, that you um, have devised for yourself. How is your life different today? What kind of change in your lifestyle were you able to affect? This change was definitely just being delivered from the delivered from emotional eating and food addiction. I was I and if I if it happened for me then literally it can happen for anyone. But I my body transitioned off of relying on food for happiness and uh, food for for rest and relaxation to relying on the rest and relaxation activities that I do. And my body now relies on very specific macronutrients for fuel. And that's, of course, the, the biggest change that's happened. But in following sort of this own system that I sort of put together, I was able to lose about 12% of my body fat, about seven dress sizes in wow. five months. And that was about four years ago. And over the past four years, I've been able to maintain every, every pound that I lost, and which I think is, is a huge success because anyone can do anything for a period of time and lose weight. But the biggest struggle that 95% of people have with losing weight is that they typically gain at least half of it back, if not all of it. And so the system that I use not only allowed me to get down to a very healthy weight, but it's also helped me to maintain that weight over the last several years. It really, one of the things that, that you um, talk about in your blog, um, and I'm going to ask you to give us that website in just a moment, is the fact that you did not come to this way of thinking and living and being overnight. This really took you some period of time. In fact, you say that you spent eight years trying so many different diet plans. If it was out there, you tried it. So, again, you have researched this. You have lived this, the things that you're teaching folks now. Is that a fair statement? That is, yes. Yes, it is. The first step in really thinking about the the things that you teach and the tools that you employ sleep was the first thing that you said relaxation food as fuel and then movement these are things that is it is it just sort of easy to say okay i've i've listened to linay i've perhaps i've i've taken one of her workshops or maybe i've even had one on one coaching with her and i'm all good i've had one meeting one hour i'm done i got it see you is it easy it's not that easy <laughs> it's not that easy and the only reason it's not is because we every human being has already established certain behaviors they've already established certain sleep patterns They've established certain behavior with food. They've established certain behavior with movement. And any time that you try to disrupt those patterns that are already established within you, your brain and your body start working together to team up against you to go back to the habits that you had before. So what a lot of people find is oftentimes they have really great intentions with making transformation after hearing information, after learning about why it is they struggle with what they struggle with. And then they immediately go to work with 
a lot of willpower to make those changes. But over time, the willpower begins to drain and the mind and the body begin to overpower your emotions and, and force you sort of to go back to the habits that you had before. And it's typically when people start to slip, you know, they cheat a little bit here, they cheat a little bit there. It's more so an emotional reaction of, uh, of sort of a depression that maybe they'll never be able to change. It's usually an emotional reaction that causes people to then just completely fall off of the new plan that they created for themselves and to go back to old habits. Lene, you have given us a lot to think about, and, and I know there's so much more that you have to offer. Can you give us your website? Yeah, absolutely. My website is www.operationfixmylife.com. Okay, operationfixmylife.com. And folks, we have been talking to Lene Urban. She is a nutrition and lifestyle coach. Lene, thank you so much for joining us today on Mind Talk. Thank you, Dr. Brewer. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. A reminder that you can listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K. If you would like to be in touch with me directly, by all means, send an email to Pamela, that's P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. Mindtalk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. Folks, remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care.